0: This is Jeremy Hemsley of the Sheffield Sharks. This is Lloyd Gardner, head coach of the Manchester Giants. This is Lavelle Cook of the Surrey
1: Scorchers. This is Matthew Brian Amundsen of the Cheshire Phoenix. This
2: is Vince McCauley of the London Lions. And you are now tuned into. You're now
1: tuned in. You're now tuned in. You're now tuned into in. 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 in the
2: BBL, to show. BBL show. The BBL show.
3: You are listening to episode 37 of the BBL show. If you're wondering where 36 is, it's a live show on the BBO YouTube, so go check it out. I am Jay Marriott. He is Drew Lasker. Another one, 11 trophies now in the cabinet. How do you feel? I feel amazing, man.
4: It's it's a, it's a great feeling. Firstly, shout out to the future in Plymouth for powering this episode. We're here live on set right now we have a little fan club right behind us that you guys <laughs> can't see and also you know this is my first time out in public in a year and a half so today wow. is a great day
3: go and enjoy it man enjoy it that's for sure let's talk a little bit uh about the live show obviously on on Friday another shout out Peter pizzeria uh, absolutely fantastic to do that drew do you want to Talk a little bit about the behind the scenes pains that we had <laughs> <laughs> in trying to put this show together. It wasn't as planned.
4: Well, I mean, shout out to our video producer, Johnny Wong, who made it look magnificent. And we, we we tell you now it wasn't as smooth as he made it look. But, you know, this has been in the planning for a couple of weeks now. But shout out to you, Jay, because you spoke this into existence from Episode one. This was your vision. This was your dream. But obviously, we've been in lockdown all this time and we yeah. weren't able to make it happen. But the timing worked out perfectly to where we can get this done before the season ended. And so we go on planning this episode, this live episode. And um, obviously, I was supposed to be a part of it, but you know, Lester kind of let the window open over game one. And I told Jay, said, Hey we need to probably look for plan B, which he never considered, by the way. This my guy. He (laughs) never had confidence in us. But, you know, shout out to Gino for being a great sport to be able to take my place because that's a true professional. It hadn't even been 24 hours, and for him to host a show after a disappointing
3: loss, it's tough. Yeah, huge by the general. That was amazing. And, uh, yeah, Mac also let me know right after the game not to bet against you guys. So, uh, maybe, maybe I've learned my lesson a, a time or two, but obviously not not having Drew was disappointing. We managed to get him at the end of the show, but I think the whole premise of that was just to show what we are capable of doing. Yes. So we tried to put as many segments in there and put some fun and put some flair in there as well as also talking about the finals and uh, and that weekend and it was just fantastic and Drew's absolutely right is um, Johnny was amazing he pretty much worked the the night through to make sure that it could load up on the Saturday. I I think I fell asleep about half past one with him messaging me woke up at about seven and he was still messaging me like crazy to get certain things to him. And he never stopped working until he knew it was all loaded up. So thanks to him. Also Pete Simmons, uh, five or six, like massive shout out to him. He really helped us pull together the guests made sure that they were all organized made sure he did the photography. And I think with those two, like we had some real steady hands, whereas maybe, you know, without Drew by my side, maybe it would have been a bit more panicky without those guys. And then also everybody that came onto the show, we're really, really thankful. Uh, we're going to catch up with Siobhan in a little bit as well, bring her back on the show and, and, and maybe relive some of those competitive moments that she had on that show. But again, Go to the BBL YouTube, check it out. Let us know what you think, the things that work, the things that don't work. And um, we just want to be better.
4: And just before you move on, Jay, I just want to reiterate because we did close with a lot of thank yous. And I knew that we would miss some people out. And obviously, I shouted out those guys on Twitter, BBL, Fix, D's Reels, even Adam Bates for Cheshire. He's been able to provide content for us all year. Even your boy now, Gray, he's in our DMs from time to <laughs> time trying to give us some advice. So there's so many people who have contributed to this show Over the year. And it was really nice to hear some compliments from people just saying, man, I didn't you know, when you guys first launched this show, I did not think that it would be this. And so we don't want to take all the credit. There's so many people behind the scenes, especially 21 Media, who does all the dirty work to make you and I look good.
3: Oh, yeah. They definitely have to work hard to make us look good. That's for sure. But uh, okay, let's let's focus on the episode. It's BBL and WBBL finals review time. We'll check in with Siobhan Pryor and Rianne Bailey. We'll go scores and top performers player of the week. A special Lasker look back. The champs, Newcastle Eagles swing by to lead us out. But first, it's time for your social media spy It's the Marriott Minute. Okay, intrigued me. Team of the Year caused a bit of a stir, none more so than the deadly Plymouth duo, Ashley Hamilton and Ricky McGill. McGill tweeted, they don't want Plymouth players to be great. He then continued saying somebody talk to the BBL. Hamilton followed up that with the disrespect is crazy, but it's nothing new. Should they have been included? We'll let you decide. Engage me. Cortez Edwards appreciation tweets were out in full effect. Riders assistant coach Pablo Vasquez said, this guy Cortez is just everywhere. Show guest Kofi Josephs, Tez might be the best rebounder in the league. I'm done saying best rebounding guard but my favourite as London Lions tweet during the game, Orlando Parker, that's it, that's the tweet. Later on enabled the Newcastle Eagles fan to tweet Cortez Edwards, that's it, that's the tweet. Touche. Amuse me, two things amuse me this week. The big man, Kieran Achara is joining netball Scotland in an equality and diversity role, which is big time. Congrats, brother. But when he said he really didn't like dribbling the ball, I didn't quite imagine he would go this far. But obviously only kidding, Mr. Achara doing big things and we are proud of him. Friday night, we found out a lot about some popular names around the league when shooting our live show. MVP General Gino is a great host. The commentary goat, Dan Routledge, makes a fantastic pizzeria owner. Anthony Rowe needs his own show. Wait, his own show bring back the show. Mo Walker is the tallest chef in the world. Siobhan Pryor will bite you if it means winning. And Selena Conroy is a fantastic food critic. And last of all, I'm a pretty formidable Guess Who player. What fun we all had, thank you so much. Pete Simmons, 506 Wizard, Johnny Wong, the camera magician, and Peter Pizzeria for not just an amazing venue, but they were awesome hosts. And that wraps this week's Marriott Minute. Nice one.
4: Great minute, as always, my friend. And just touching on those end-of-season awards, a couple of things we need to clear up because I saw, obviously it was controversial, but just remember that the BBL coaches make the decision on those awards, not the BBL head office, not Selena. It's the coaches, so you might want to add those guys. And then also, I'd like to see when... Guys who obviously think that they should be included, that means that somebody's name should be taken off. So mm. I think we should say who shouldn't be on there. <laughs> Let's keep it 100, right? <laughs> but moving on to scores and ballers of the week. And um, who cares? We're champs. We won. <laughs> I don't know the score. We won by two points. That all That's all that matters. We got the trophy. I got my beer, And I'm going to leave it at that.
3: That's right. And, uh, and London Lions, of course, had their magical moment in the WBBL as uh, Kennedy Leonard and their team went on to win that one. OK, Player of the Week. As per usual, you know when it's finals week, we don't put it out on the socials because it's obvious we have an MVP and that is Cortez Edwards. The stats are off the chart. 22 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists, 4 steals for a 41 index, just take that in for a moment, Drew. Because obviously, in the game, you know, you know when somebody's having a great game, but you're not knowing the stat line. You can see it right there. How, what do you think?
4: I mean, I think that sums up Cortez Edwards' performance all year, right? Like the quiet assassin. Every time you look at the the box score, you're like, dang, I didn't know he had eight rebounds, nine assists, and, you know, 22 points. And it was the same in the finals. I knew that he was balling out, obviously,
3: mm.
5: but
4: I didn't know he was balling out like, like that. But we needed every single rebound, every
3: assist, and every point. So thank you, Mr. Cortez Edwards. Yeah, what a time to have a monster game like that. He, he had everything going. He was finding his shot, he was finding his rhythm. And I definitely agree with Kofi Joseph. He may well be the best rebounder in the league. Forget about mentioning any positions. Okay, let's go with a little finals talk before we go WBBL. I just want to get some kind of raw thoughts from you, Drew, uh, overall of the game. So obviously, I was there live, you know, again, I realize how lucky I am to be in that position so it's not lost on me guys that you know I'm sure all of you were itching to be there it's fantastic I saw it live you were in it live let's start with you and your feelings on the game
4: Yeah obviously we got out to a very slow start Orlando Parker started off really hot and aggressive and which we which we expected and you know I and I talked about this at halftime with Mike Tuck that In the first quarter, we got caught up in trying to play London's game. That's how they play. They want to get you riled up. They want to talk. They want to get the officials pushing players away. But that's not how the Newcastle Eagles play basketball. So, you know, after the first quarter, we were just like, you know, let's just – Take a moment, relax, calm down. It wasn't anything tactical because, you know, even them being up by 12 points, I think they had scored 24, 22 points. So it wasn't like Mm. they were absolutely killing. It was just that we hadn't settled in the game and we were kind of getting outside of our identity. And then, you know, we made a run there, especially at the end of the second quarter. And the thing is that we just kept talking about is let's make sure we stay within striking distance. And I felt like throughout the game, every time we made a run and we had an opportunity to either tie or take the lead, we would always have an empty possession without even getting a shot attempt. Maybe it was a turnover or whatever, but you know, we hung around, we, we, you know, we stuck in there. And again, I talked about this earlier about in the Leicester series that being battle tested is where I thought it was going to help us out in that first round with Sheffield. And I actually, thank Mike Tuck after the game. He probably took offense to it. I told him, thank you for uh, giving us this moment because without his team, uh, we wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. But that really helped us because obviously that got us battle tested from round one. And then round two, we started off in a 20 point hole, was able to dig out of it and then beat the league champions. And so that forced us to never panic and never get rattled and never feel like we were out of the game. Mm -hmm. And obviously, it came down to the last couple of minutes. And then as Vince said, I heard him say on his post game that it just became like a, a, a make or miss kind of game. We made some shots, we made some plays. They didn't. And, you know, that's how the cookie crumbles. I, I, I think if they had a chance to reflect on it, they probably feel like they let us out of jail and could have been up by 20 more points. And, you know, Dirk Williams really hurt them being being in foul trouble and never got a chance to really settle this feet in the game. But that's finals, you know, other guys got to step up. And for us, it was Cortez Edwards. Yeah, for sure. It it,
3: it was an amazing game. Like you said, it, it was quite a slow burner to start off with, but I kind of enjoyed that because you could see the tactics. So if you look at Lions, the two big things that I saw early on is they wanted to get the ball to Parker and they were really trying to put Gordon under pressure. So I really believe that they were, they were feeling that him in foul trouble would be one of those keys. And then they were just really obviously doubling Super hard on Fletch, you know, so they they were just coming for him after every pick and roll. But that's tough to do for 40 minutes, you know, so that's that's all great to try and keep Fletch quiet for for one quarter or a quarter and a half. But that's never going to happen for four quarters. And you can see that slowly their hold started to dissipate and you guys started to make those runs. And I think Cortez, like where he started to get going was just the right time. And, uh, you know, credit to Maxwell as well. In the, in the fourth quarter, he really kind of came alive and, and I think he was a, a big component of getting you over the line. Obviously, I think that, um, you know, Mac, being the perfectionist he is would probably prefer you guys to hit those free throws. So Maxwell and Fletch, but that all added to the drama for us actually watching the game. I think if you look at London, what they'll be disappointed with, there was a lot of people saying that they felt there was some disrespect saying that losing Justin Robinson had them losing an edge. But that was absolutely clear by having Liggins with the ball in his hand for 40 minutes did not work. Yeah. You know, and as he started to get tired, those amazing passes that he's been making one hand all year, as he, you know, ground down. And it was their own fault because that, that's how they wanted the game to be. They wanted it to be tough, physical. He was clapping. He was in people's faces. His energy was high. But it's a very different thing having the ball in your hand for 40 minutes than, say, 20 or 22. So I, I think Justin Robinson missing was a big thing. And then obviously... Sadly, in the big game there, Dirk Williams, foul trouble was predominantly his problem. But also as well, I think for the first time, and it was in the final, I saw him buying into the Lions way, you know, and he started getting hyped and in people's faces and being aggressive. And I have not seen him be like that all year. You know, I've seen him have the energy and I've seen him be hyped, but on his own and, you know, in a humble way. And in this game, they came out and they were trying to play bully ball. It just kind of didn't work. And I think when they will reflect back on their end of season, maybe that big, heavy rotation didn't work. You know, and those random substitutions that you saw and the the, the, the random cameos and things like that, it just didn't work for them in the end. But look, delighted for you guys and you needed that one to separate yourselves as the team that had the best season right everyone had one trophy I each. Say that last episode dude, whoever dude,
4: came out with two is the best right
3: that's it you don't need there's nothing else needs to be said nothing else needs to be proved but man a, a magical moment and I, I and I remember I brought my friend Alex up with me and I was chatting to Alex about the culture you know so you've lost fab right the culture's still there and actually, when you look at that team, there's only three of you left. So it's not like there were seven guys bringing people in. So that's just how, that's a measure of how strong the culture is there. That's credit, I think, from Paul Blake all the way down. And you have to appreciate those people that have moved on, <clears throat> like Fab. And you've always said it, you, you've had great respect from the players of the past. They have set the tone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you guys are still doing it. So, um, hey, you're there to be shot at. And uh, I think that's a good chat for now. And that will lead us nicely into the WBBL review as we introduce once again our favourites, Siobhan Pryor and Rianne Bailey back into the room. Siobhan, Rianne, we meet again. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Really good. Yeah. That's
4: good.
5: good. Same, same.
4: Good to see you, ladies. I'm liking this little cameo. I'm liking this, this yeah, it's, it's, regularity.
3: It's, it's familiar, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's becoming familiar. Siobhan's a little bit quiet. She's had a big weekend. Yeah. Um, I felt like, like I wore her down on Friday with the pizza making. And <laughs> Too many it, autograph signings. Well, yeah, I, that's what I've heard too. And the, the pizza making deals were on the table from Saturday morning. I heard. So, um, you know, big, big things are happening, but we're, we're here to talk about the WBBL final. I just want to get uh, your thoughts on the game itself, whether you thought it played out the way that you, you, you thought it would. You know, I I really enjoyed the game. I feel like from my perspective, I think that London just kind of strangled it in the end, like just slowly got their hands around the game and It was probably closer than the score reflected at the end of the game. I felt, I felt Newcastle gave it a really, really good go. What was your guys' thoughts? Like, Rhiann, what did you think?
1: I thought it was a really good game. You know, Newcastle, what they were down by eight at the half, which was like, it was almost an exciting position to be in compared to what they did against um, Seven Oaks when they were down twelve, didn't they, in the third quarter? So in like my head, it was like, down eight, that's so doable. They're just going to come right back and take it. But like London, they did what they did. Against Nottingham, really, they just kind of held on to it, and then slowly got more and more control. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Shanice, whew, what a spark! Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Really it was cool. a great game, really exciting. Yeah, um,
3: her energy was incredible, man. Like, really was like yeah. being there live and being able to be, be able to see that game was really good. Siobhan, like, w- w- what were you kind of thinking as you were you were watching that game?
5: Yeah, same. Like, I feel like. Shanice was just... Because, so, again, like, on Twitter and stuff, people were saying about, you know, like, Kennedy got... She got the triple-double and everything, which was amazing. And that they she should have got, like, MVP or co-MVP or whatever. And I feel like she definitely had an MVP, like, performance. The thing with, like, Shanice, though, was... It was just like the stuff that wasn't on the stat sheet. Like Ree said, she was like all over the place, every single play though. So like every offense, every defense, she had like something. She did something to affect it in some way. She like didn't rest on any play. She Yeah, she was amazing. She had such yeah. a good game. And I think it was really nice because I feel like she went to Barkin Abbey as a kid and like then she went to the, she went to LSU. So she went to like an amazing program. And then she's come back like to where it began. I just thought it was like a really nice story back to Mark, like as her coach and they're not Barkin Abbey now, they're London Lions, but it's still like what the, yeah. the same core, you know? So I just thought that was a really nice story. But as far as the game went, I thought that was going to happen. If I'm honest, I really wanted Newcastle to win it. Cause I think like that story would have been amazing, right. but I just felt like London had a bit too much. And I think that's all it was in the end. I think, they did come back from that like eight point down. And when it was like 51-51, I was thinking they might actually do it. And then I think they just like, not necessarily run out of steam physically, but like they just started to have a few mental lapses where you could tell they were like fatigued and they weren't doing what they were supposed to do in like defensive coverage or, and it's just the same as like 7 X really. If you sort of switch off for a second Mm-hmm. Um, London are really gonna hurt you, but the way London can hurt you is like scoring in bunches quickly, and that absolutely just like kills you. I think, especially when you've had like two real tough games. Like, yeah, I think like that can kind of kill your momentum a little bit. So yeah. Yeah. good game, pretty good game. Yeah, I think
1: you know when I was saying when I watched the Newcastle Seven Oaks game, I was saying that Seven Oaks didn't play like terrible. They didn't no. play bad. They just You know, sometimes when a team is so consistent, they forget that that was a big play. Like, I know you expect it from your team, but it was a big play. And the celebration of that big play gives you more energy for the next play. Yeah. Whereas they just sometimes, I think they were so clinical and almost to their detriment where Newcastle, they would make an average play. And you would think, did you score 10 points off that layoff? Or mm-hmm. and but yeah. they were so on a high from it that it, it propelled them above seven oats. Right. And I think where Bark where London Lions had, they are really clinical, but they're also really hype and fun. Mm-hmm. And they they worried each other. So then for Newcastle, it was, you know, they couldn't ride off that adrenaline um the whole game because L- London have that same that same hype and that's yeah. it. But they, they are more consistent across the whole game as well. So yeah, it would have been a really tough one for them to win, I think.
3: I felt, yeah, that I, is true. I, I, I felt really bad for Rodriguez, like, because she was... Oh my you, know, God. Like, it, you could just tell towards the end of the game, like, you know, they, they really came alive on the boards and they were just really active. And I was just like, it's so harsh. You know, she's absolutely played her heart out. And I think kind of going back, Siobhan, when you're talking about the MVP... I, I, there's there's two sides to things that I look at. So I will always favor the triple-double. Yeah, so I'll always favor the triple-double over the big night. But one thing that I will say is, I thought it was a really subdued performance by by Kennedy, I, I felt. You know, she just kind of... Um, uh, I, kept, I kept saying, probably like towards the end of the second and going into the third, I was like, I think she's going to take a hold of the game now. But she just really just kept control of the game, didn't really get too high, didn't really get too low. And like you said, I, th- I think in the end, just the the, the energy and the defence and the scoring and everything else like that probably took that MVP away from her, I think.
5: Yeah, I think it was like the energy, really, because she led the energy of London, but Shanice did. I think the other thing that's interesting, though, is like Kennedy, and we kind of saw it in the men's a bit with Fletcher. It was sort of like, he knew that he was having a tough night. Well, not a tough night, but that they were throwing like two defenders at him all the time. Mm. And so his, his MVP, like click in his head was like, well, if, if this is happening to me, then I'm going to make sure that I facilitate everybody else in the best way possible so that they can Mm. like help us to win. And I think maybe like Kennedy sort of did the same thing. Like his stat line was still amazing, but, you know, maybe she just knew like Shanice was having a great game and she's going to yep. continue to like feed that. And mm. that's sort of like the unselfish great, thing like, that honestly, she did.
3: That that, yeah. men- that mentality right there is amazing. And I think you you can probably speak on it better than me with Fletch, but I've seen him do it so many times is that if somebody else is going to win the game, he lets somebody else win the game. He does not try and like come in there. And and then on the other hand, if you need to take hold of a game and I I feel like Kennedy's a bit like that. It was almost a shock actually when I was, asking about the stat line around about the the middle of the third. And I was like, wow, like really? Because I didn't see her get that many boards, you know? So I was like, I'm not sure if she's close to a triple-double, definitely a double-double. And then I was like, wow. So it was impressive. It
4: goes to in that moment, like you talked about, Siobhan, that – um, you go to make the plays that help you win as opposed Makes to play the plays to try to win the MVP. And that's what Leonard did. And that's that's what Fletcher did. And and um, I also like how you mentioned the fact of uh, that eye test. Um, you know, this game has evolved to analytics and usually in the past when they picked the MVP award, it's always directly at the index and it's and we know that it's more to it than just that it's those impact plays that you don't see on on the stat sheet that plays just a bigger role than any of those other stats
5: yeah like there was so many times where say it was like I don't know Newcastle had gained a little momentum offensively in the half court and there was like 12 seconds left or something and then she gets like a tip she doesn't get a steal but it goes out of bounds and just breaks the momentum up yeah. and now they've only got 10 seconds to score like little things like that or she you know she'll come in like rodriguez or rebound she'll come in and like put pressure on it she won't get the rebound but rodriguez fumbles it out of bounds or you know like things like that i think
3: yeah, yeah. things that just aren't seen out there and uh, that's sure. it's certainly impressive for sure
4: Yeah, I wanted to ask ladies about, I'm not sure if you, I'm pretty sure you saw the social media, the Newcastle Eagles surprise Alison Garell with the GOAT t-shirts. And just where do you think she stands in that conversation in the WBBL? I think she's a great player. I think she's a really good player.
1: I think she has the ability to score anywhere on the floor. Greatest of all time. She's up there, but I wouldn't put her as the greatest of all time. Yeah. In the WBBL.
0: Who, who, like, who, you?
1: who would I say is the greatest of all time? It's tough. I'd, I'd have to have a top i I'd have to have like a top five. Ah, oh, she, come
4: she, she forested us. Come she, on. Yeah, they or, or a top 20. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get a so anyway, you don't what upset do. anyone. <laughs> do, you
1: know what, do you know what I think it is as well? I would say, like, it's tough, you know, because some, so for example, Katkar, this season, she's been incredible but I think like it's weird like every season she gives something different like when she first came into the league she was definitely not the same player like I'd say she was more of a scorer that sounds weird saying she's not a scorer now but like she gives so much more now than she did when she first came into the league but then yeah I don't know it's hard and then like I would say Georgia Jones she's been consistent across every single season that she's played in Kennedy Leonard came out with a debut season that was incredible. Yeah, I just, it's hard, you know, I don't know.
4: <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I, sure I, I I, I don't anyway. expect you to answer that still being a current player yeah, anyway. So, I, like, I mean, who does that? But, but Siobhan, what about you? Yes, Siobhan can.
5: <laughs> I always do. No, I don't know. No, it's hard. I think what's really interesting, actually, what Reed just said is like, because I think the game's evolved in a way a little bit in that it's become like, more recognised for guards to, you know, for, or for people, for players, not just to be, like, great scorers, but to affect the game in loads of different ways. So, like, triple-doubles and, like, where... And you're right, like, whereas before, like, Kat, she was, like, a prolific scorer, but now she does everything and she's, like, a really great passer. She was a great passer before, but it just shows up, I guess, on the stats more and, like... But I don't know. I think it's it is hard, like, for me... I think if you're an MVP, your team wins. I I'm one of them, so I feel Thank like. You.
3: Thank you. That's the, pre- that's the prerequisite of the BBL show. Thank you. Thank you. Can you say that one more time for the listeners so it's etched in? We don't have to go over it again next season. What What did you say? So you're telling me you can't be eighth
4: place and be MVP? Is that what you're saying?
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's for the
4: listeners yeah, out yeah. there. So stop giving us these okay. names from people that <laughs> finished 10th
3: and <laughs> No. No. Yeah. Winning gets I think you. They in the could be a a, like
5: a really great player, like an amazing player in the league and one of the most skillful in the league, one of the most dominant in the league. But if your team's not winning, it doesn't really matter. So that's not idea. very valuable, is it? Mm-hmm. Like it's valuable for yourself, but who else is it valuable for? Yeah. So yeah. So I think like, In that way, I feel like Ashley Harris, who was a a post player that we had three seasons ago, she left now to have a beautiful little baby girl. She's gorgeous. She's playing in Sweden next year, actually. But she was just like totally dominant all the time. Like offensively, defensively. In that cup final. Really? Oh, yeah. In the one cup final, that was really undecided. She wanted to go off and beat everyone. (laughs) And Dom played really well. Dom had a really good game, didn't she? Yeah, she did. She did actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I think she was like super dominant and we won a lot because of it. So I'd say like she was definitely up there for me. Do you
1: know what I'd but say? I think is, we, we got we... a lot of times. Sorry. I'll no, go on. Not saying this is not shots fired at Alison Goral, but like defensively, how do you help your team as well? That's a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Like, don't score 50 points on offense. And be coasting on defense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. how do you help your team defensively? How do you help your team off the stat sheet? And don't get me wrong, Alison Brown makes hustle plays and stuff like yeah. that. But that—that's another big thing that I would take into consideration. Like, so like usually when I say an MVP, it might look like the underdog because as a you know a player, I can see all the things that they did to help yeah, their like team this, sure. that wouldn't yeah. be on the stat sheet.
3: Definitely.
1: Because I think those give the other players energy to do what they're doing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So.
3: I like that. that. But what it does do is that gives us plenty of content to come back and continue this conversation because I feel like we need to do this. I feel like we need to get a graphic up. I feel like this is what we need to do because if we're going to do it for the BBL, we need to do it for the WBBL. WBBL, So we need to make sure that's the the, the right thing. We need, we need these
4: ladies to get the smoke. Like we've been getting the smoke, right? They
3: they might, (laughs) they might not understand, you know, yet, but we are running during the summertime. So we've got plenty of time to focus on these ladies and, and drill a little bit deeper and pull the names out. So, so we're fine, but look, we've run out a little bit of time. We've got to get the champs in the building and, and see what they're saying to us but um it, we'll probably say a hundred times in the pod this time we are continuing in the summer we are continuing our commitment to choose to challenge as well so Absolutely. we will be with uh Siobhan and Rianne during the summer maybe even in person if this pandemic is is, is uh starting to yeah. ease up that would be really really great although uh, I've realized now in person just how competitive Siobhan really is. Um, and it's slight, slightly scary. And I will say, I think that she probably got one, one and a half points off Selena just through fear. Uh, so <laughs> we'll, um, we'll leave it there. But, ladies, thanks for jumping on. I know, I know it was really brief, but um, we will see you again soon. William, Thanks for having okay. us. Thanks, Brilliant. Ladies. Brilliant, ladies. Appreciate it. See ya. Bye. Good night. Here we go. Welcome to the good life The wait is over Welcome to the good life And after all the talk All I gotta say is Welcome to the good life You're welcome yeah. You're all welcome We the best The winners,
2: Champions
3: We run the city Level-
0: I'm a mother champion This right here the I can't dab you without hands saying, I don't know your dirty hands, man I wake up to like a hundred texts Championship team,
1: but we can't cut the net Last name ever, first name greatest
5: Like a sprained ankle, boy, ain't nothing to play with Started on Yes,
3: I did. So I packed it up and brought it back to the creed. Fellas, what a great way to finish the season for the BBO show, other than to bring the champs onto the show. I'm just a little Plymouth boy right here, feeling real intimidated with all these Eagles guys. So I'm gonna get out of the way. Drew, this is your segment. Rock and roll, guys. Congrats. What's up,
2: champs? What's
3: good? good? What's 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 up, up? 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 up, chill?
4: Yeah. What's up, what's up? Firstly, we'll start with the MVP. I saw the tweet about, I really like that. I almost shed a tear about, you know, Fletch pretty much gave you the baton to do what you do. I mean, how does it feel to get a gold ball, man?
0: Yeah, it feels great, man. You know, I had a, uh, I had a little birdie named uh, Jordan Williams. He was like, you, you played in too many finals not to have a uh, MVP. You know. That was a little motivation. And told me I need to make my layup, so.
3: Yeah. What was it? Uh, what's, the, what's the bus driver called, Your your guy? Holy um... man! He he was sat with next to me the whole game. One, yeah. it was the best experience watching the game. <laughs> he he was like he forgot all etiquette when you're on the free throw line, like you know, just screaming out,
0: <laughs> oh <French!"> <laughs> 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 But man, he,
3: said, he said to me that you already told him. You told him exactly what you were going to do, Tes. Can you confirm that? Is you told the bus driver right, before no. the game? Nah, this is what's going to happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, I told him. Man. All I said, right. Yeah, just let me know. I'm gonna get to it, you know. I'm gonna, I'm a, I'm gonna lead this to a win, you know. Tony believes in me. Appreciate you, Tony. You, know, you gave me that confidence
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> When you, when you, when, when you, you called him over, when you called him over, he said, he said he, he he didn't want to go over there just in case he was on Crime Watch or something like that. <laughs> he didn't want to be on the main screen. <laughs>
4: Let's let's move on to you. Let's reflect a little bit on the game. Firstly, I love the tweet, by the way, um, calling people out. If you haven't seen it, just go to the timeline and you'll see it. And I just wish you would have at that person. It would have made a little bit better. But anyways, just Twitter
6: need to edit. Twitter need to edit. But I'll do it. Yeah. OK, do it. Yeah. So
4: let's just reflect a little bit on the game. Just take us through the game and, and talk to the, our listeners about how Newcastle Eagles came out as champs.
6: I think the, the game was probably, as far as the scoring, scoring-wise, I don't think people kind of expected that. But the chippiness, the, the back and forth, the competitiveness, and everything like that. I think that's something that, you, A, you expect in a playoff final. B, you expect, especially this year, Newcastle, and London, Newcastle, and Leicester, London and Leicester, teams like that. So I think we knew, especially with Justin not being there, that it kind of made it more of an even playing field as far as their depth. You know? And with him being out, it changes the way that they play. So it was really intense on the competitive side. And I think defense was one of the, our main focus to get that win. Because New York teams were making shots like that, to be honest. So we we all had to just knuckle up and dig our heels in the ground and play some And I think that's where it was won.
4: Yeah, and that's normally how. I mean, obviously we know that's how finals go. I mean, I can't remember being in a final where a team has scored over a hundred points. They're always ugly. They're always scrappy, mm-hmm. and you know it basically comes to the team that knuckles down and buckles up. Yep. But, Justin, moving over to you, obviously, you struggled with foul trouble along with Dirk Williams, but just talk a little bit about how you were still able to make an impact on that game while literally sitting on the bench for half of the game.
7: Uh, Yeah, it was tough. You know, even given the opportunities that I had, I didn't convert those on offense before I got into foul trouble. So, you know, just got to take responsibility for that, honestly. Everybody has a bad game on offense every now and then, but... um, You know, the the defensive and also with the fouls, it kept me out of my rhythm just as far as being with the team, as far as making the right decisions, because I was also playing a different rotation than I usually do. So knowing when guys are doing the right things in certain times and I kind of just didn't flow with that on our offense. But uh, on defense is just something that I can always control. Doesn't matter what time of the game it is like I can. Obviously, if I wasn't out there for as long as some of the other guys are like Fletch and Tez and. And D, they were playing longer spurts than I was, so I could just help and use my energy to cover up those little times where they might be tired or something like that. And trying to get our possession back, knowing that I might have not converted possession that I normally would have or something like that, or just getting things that would help our team, you know, get back into the right spot.
4: And speaking of defense, obviously, firstly, congratulations to Cortez Edwards for making the defensive team of the year. But do you Thank feel you like you were snubbed on that defensive team? <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure.
0: Uh,
7: I mean, I was I feel like being being on that board just is
3: being uh, in the conversation, back, is, bro, say it all yeah, we, is. Back, yeah, yeah. we <laughs> <man>. <laughs> This is the, the BBO so show, is, man. You know, you're a former hey, guest too. We, we, we let keep, you have the vocals, we you keep know, it 100 on so yeah. Say yeah,
7: it. Nah, for real though, like being on the MVP conversation and, and defensive player of the year conversation pretty much the whole year. I go out with an unfortunate ankle injury, and I feel like my impact was missed with this team and just hearing I'm going the physio C and D in the morning, early in the morning. He's like, man, you good, man. Come on, let's go. You good. Get back on the court. You ready? He's like, Vicky, Vicky, it's okay. He's good. Like, you don't need to tape the ankle. you will need to massage it. He's good. Like, let's go. I'm like, yeah, man. Like, I really wanted to be out there. And it was like, after that, the league was just like, I mean, he's gone. Like, I didn't hear nothing else. It was just like, my impact was just done for because I, I had an injury. But when other guys had their injuries, you know, their teams continued to hit their stride. They didn't really feel that impact, like, when I was out. And I was just like, why was mine the only one that was punished for it, it seemed like, in those in those kind of awards and season, just accolades and stuff like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, you were talking to me in the semifinal, like, let these boys know who you are. Like, they try to count you out, and they really did. And... Just staying persistent, man. And of course, it ended up being the thing that I was trying to get my bragging rights about the whole time. It took me out on offense, but you know what? Like, you had to go out there and play 24 minutes of defense. And I feel like I pretty much did that, even with my fouls.
3: I think it's interesting what you say, because there was definitely that. Your injury and Hamilton's came around the same time. And actually, like, if Mm. you look at that timeline, you saw McGill actually, like, it, it almost became his team in a way you know like that's that's how that transition happened whereas for you guys obviously there was a that, that kind of natural dip you know you have a shorter rotation so yeah i, I thought it was interesting just because I, I think you've got to judge it off of the fact that you can guard multiple positions as well you know so that I, I feel like that's going to be a massive advantage but hey look yeah the, i feel like there wasn't a that left i didn't
4: out. take advantage of but my, you got, i mean you got the big here, trophy sure. now so
3: you hey, know, fact. That all, that all, and, and speaking that is- of that,
4: speaking of that, I don't want to speak for that, for that
7: man down there in the, in the bottom left corner. But even when I was out, he stepped up big time and uh, showed how valuable of a player <laughs> that he was for our team.
4: Well, speaking like, oh, of him, oh, that guy man. that you're talking about. Is I think it's 27 now, but yeah, let's, Mr. Let, yeah, Mr. 27. Let, let's talk about <laughs> the first quarter. Defoe, just take us through a little bit because there's been fans asking about the little scuffle. What exactly happened where you yourself and Fletch got hemmed up and I had to run off the bench and come <laughs> unravel you
0: guys?
2: Hey. You didn't even move. <laughs> hey, them, them, <laughs> them, them, them London boys kind of salty. That's why, you mm. know. Uh-oh.
3: That's why he tried to run
2: up. He try run up on on, on my teammates. I'm, I ain't gonna let that happen. Mm. Mm. So, 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 old, but, so basically, Darius is doing Darius things. Yeah, basically. Hey, hey, I'm being a, I'm being a big I'm, I'm being a good
7: teammate. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> no lies there.
4: I like the sound of it, but hey, man, it's it's been a great year. Like I said in the locker room, I wish we had an opportunity to do this more in person, yeah, in the clubs, in the bars, you know what I mean? But we got to do it over a screen. But um, <laughs> let's transition over to the Alaska look back, in which in this episode of Alaska look back, this is actually called the Defoe look back part two, actually. So I'm gonna hand it off to you, Mister. Uh, is it 27? Mister 27. 27. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right.
2: All right. Let me put my hat drink down. Uh oh. <laughs> First Uh-oh. of all, played in the trophy final. We won. Mm-hmm. No heart. No, we didn't get no one hat.
7: Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, there,
2: then, then there was the, the the trophy final. I see everybody in the London team with a hat. <laughs> Then there's the, the player final. Still no hat. I wanna know what's going on. Hmm. I feel disrespected. I'm, I'm, no. That's not how it meant happen. If, if one team is getting hot, we all should be getting hot.
4: Well, what else you got on your chest though? I mean, no. that can't be it. Oh, oh, that, no, that ain't it.
3: Okay. We got a little bit of time, you know, it's fine. We got,
2: okay. The GB team of the year. How comes I ain't on there?
3: Hmm. Mr. 27.
2: Am I I not good enough? I I don't get that one. I see certain people on there shouldn't be on there. I'm just going to keep it real. Mm. Okay, defensive player of the year. I I wasn't on there. I don't need no help to guide no one. They said I call play defense. Well, I I proved them wrong. Yet again, I'm still not on the list. There's people on there that shouldn't be on there. Now, how is Newcastle going to get some respect? How are we going to get some respect? That's what I want to know. What What else do we have to prove? Everyone's saying Newcastle ain't going to win the playoff. They ain't going to get far. They lost such and such games in the league. So what happened on Sunday? I didn't hear no one saying nothing else. What? When are we going to get our respect?
3: Can I, can I ask you a question about this? And this could go out to you and it could go to Fletch and Drew could jump in here as well. So we talk about you talk about Newcastle, you talk about the culture, right? So I brought somebody to the game that hasn't really seen a lot of basketball recently, but understands the history of Newcastle. But actually when we were explaining it, it's really just you three guys left. And obviously Mac is coming from has that history. Like how do you guys manage to pass that culture on to such a big group? Cause usually that will happen if you're adding two pieces, but in this case, you know, you're, you're adding, you know, maybe six pieces, with you, just you three leaders, what makes that culture so special? we just good teammates, that's why. Mm. You know, we
4: make everyone feel welcome. Yeah, I think the unique thing is that us three are totally different. So Fletch does it vocally. You know, we constantly hear his voice as we, we've heard from training camp all through the year. And when things need to be said, Fletch is going to say it. Mm-hmm. Defoe does his through humor. You know, he does. He's a funny guy. He keeps the camp loose and he'll say what he needs, what needs to be said. But he'll do it in a way where we're probably going to laugh a little bit afterwards. And then (laughs) myself, you know, I don't really say much. I do. I do things mostly by example. But if it needs to be said, if it's that time and it's that gap, then I'll say it. And so I think that's the unique thing about us three, that we're completely different. We have three completely different leadership styles. But at the same time, we give the room to empower the new guys that come in. So never once have we told uh, Justin, or told Cortez, no, you can't be yourself. You don't have a voice. We've empowered Tim to be themselves. But if the the ship needs to get back on the track, we'll put it back on the track. But we'll allow the young guys to kind of lead us in the way. And I think that's how Newcastle has kind of always been. And I just think that's what kind of separates us
0: from the other team.
6: I think it's the type of guys that you get too that every guy that we get is a good personality or a person that we saw ourselves when we first came into the league as far as that chip on the shoulder they come from a situation where they wasn't happy or you know something happened with the team and they didn't get a good playing role but they come here and you can just see that chip on their shoulder so instantly we gravitate to them because we've been in that position too you know Drew's been in that position D's been in that position I've been in that position as well so Like you said, we got the same exact thing. The whole common goal is winning, regardless. No matter how we dish it out, no matter how we set it by example with humor, it's all going to be the same exact goal. And everybody that comes to play basketball, they want to win. So when they see the people that have been here for a while constantly, that they can approach us and say whatever they want to say, get it off their chest, and we accept it, and it equals winning, of course, it makes it a lot easier. So that's kind of, we of course, we learned that from Fab as well. So we can't not acknowledge that.
3: So. yeah yeah I think like uh, I would almost say that that's that's even a the strength and measure of fab is that actually that culture is he's left that in a good place and i i I think that that takes somebody to another level so you can talk about a great coach and then you're talking about somebody that actually has left it in a position where it can continue and and that's no slight on coach Mac you know that's three trophies now in in two oh, seasons yeah, you know that's that is so impressive because uh, I, if I compared it to football, you know Sir Alex Ferguson leads Manchester United and left a hole for you know years and years and years. That is not easy, and uh, and I must admit it would not be a position that I would want to desire. Knowing somebody yeah. like Fab, I think that that would yep. intimidate me. So that's that that's a credit to Coach Mac. Yeah. And what I'd, I'd like to obviously we don't have you know some, some big pieces here like Maxwell. Fluger Sayers, you know, I actually got an opportunity to, to to coach Lewis and just seeing how he's grown, especially like with with your group and even through the year now. Like I've seen a difference from the from the last final to this final. Just tell me, um, you know, specifically about those three guys, like what you've enjoyed about them this year and what they've brought to the table.
0: Cortez, we'll go to you. Cortez. <laughs> All right. So Evan, Evan has been like he started the season off like a like a torch, like like the human torch. He was just lighting everybody up. Then I felt like when people saw his flaws, you know, it took some took him some time to adjust. But like throughout the season, big moments like Sheffield and the, and the playoff, he just he stepped up and he had a he had a different like anger about him. You know, he he really like like the beast showed he showed that dog in him that we've been waiting on all year. And Lewis, Lewis like found his footing with us. We told him he could be more than just, you know, just a shooter. Because at first he was just standing in the corner, but he started crashing boards, curling off screens, getting to the basket. He had a dunk, you know, against Lester. You know, so Rex Rex battled through injuries, but when we needed him to come on the court, you know, he, he stepped up every time we needed him to. From my standpoint, with anyway, I mean, I, I agree with
6: Ted. Started off well, started off really well, and, and and it's typical, you know, it's typical with these seasons that especially the top teams are going to try to figure out, they're going to try to stop what you do well, you know, they, they, they've they been doing that for years, you know, and he had to adjust. It might took longer than it took me or to Justin or Cortez or anybody on this panel. But at the end of the day, the time that he did adjust, he adjusted at the right exact time. Because if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be sitting here right now to be honest against Sheffield. If I'm being real, so that's what he did. I don't care if it was for one game; it was the most important game of our season, and he did it. And with Rex as well, Rex Rex is young. We got to understand that Rex. This is his first year playing professional, so it's going to be hit and misses, hot and cold, ups and downs, regardless. So we can't take that personal a personal offense to our team. You know, and I think with the, with the adversity, him coming overseas for the first time and go straight into lockdown, that's tough. That's tough mentally and being away from home when he's never been away from home like that. So I, I credit him from just fighting through all that adversity that he had and then had to come and play because he was starting at first, which is a lot of pressure. And then He went on the GB team as well, which is another another level of pressure. So nobody know what he mentally was going on. We, we really don't know. But if I'm outside looking in, it ain't the easiest thing. And I think he adjusted well with that. And Louie, and sometimes we forget with Louis that he's well. He just turned 29. He's a professional. He's been here for a while, so he knows what he's doing. You know, just because he people might think of him as a corner shooter or forget about him about something like that, and he's quiet. You sometimes you forget that he's a constant, true professional in this league, and everybody respects him. So I think seeing Louis when he was at Leeds, when he was at potentially that Plymouth would do, that the growth that he took this year is like, oh, okay, well, what I've been doing, what I've been working on for all these years actually is showing it actually is going into trophies, and, and I'm kind of accepted. I can't speak for the other teams that he was a part of, but I can speak for this group 100% that he was 100% accepted. No matter what he did, mistakes, good things, whatever, we accepted it. And you can see, like you say, you saw the growth from the beginning to the end. And now he's coming off the screen, and getting dunked, and and ones from his feet, holding a three ball laid in the corner, holding his hand down, showing the three. That type of emotion that you really didn't see out of Louie in our earlier years. So that's coming out of his shell. And so with those threes that were pivotal, pivotal not just off of stats or anything like that, but just pivotal just seeing their growth. So to make a long story less long. Sorry,
3: <laughs> Darius, you got anything to add, JG? <laughs>
7: Yeah. I mean, nothing really like as far as player breakdown like that, that Fletch did like that was Fletch and Tez uh, accurately described it. everybody. I think what even place they give them even more credit is just like the opportunities, like learning like the flow of the game. Like he said, like all these guys are even younger than I am other than Louie, but we've all come from roles where we were probably like the number one guy or or at worst, the number two guy on our team. And we come in with uh, guys that have so much talent and so much that they can give to the team at any given point in time. It's like, how do I find my place? And how do I know when to be, you know, my most aggressive self? So, I mean, like, that shows so much, even with Tez, you know, like, Tez showed that uh, in the in the final. And, like, I was talking to him the other day, like, we tend to always end up battling for rebounds in that game, even though I wasn't out there, I feel like you got every single rebound that even I would have even had the chance to get. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he just took over that, that extra step when, when I was having a subpar performance in and, <laughs> and his phone just died. But, uh, you know, just those, those kind of credit to Louis and, and Evan, like Louie come in and he's really like a momentum shifter, just straight off the bat, like he hits one three and we're like, oh, my gosh, we got a new life as a team. And same with Evan and same with Rex. It's like it's just those boosts that they have in the opportunities that they're given, no matter how slim they may be uh, in comparison to other roles that they have had along their careers. So, I mean, I've had to make those type of adjustments on other teams, but this was by far the easiest transition that I've had as far as finding my game within a team. I know I didn't have to deal with nearly as much that they had to as far as fitting in and finding their game within this team. But they all definitely have a lot to show and they definitely showed a lot in big key moments for us.
3: Yeah. And I I think like it says a lot about having perseverance, you know, because it's very difficult coming into a a group of already established players and you're trying to find your role and make sure that you fit. and, And sometimes you really have to sort of dig in and hold in there. And and it, it happens for some people really, really quickly. Sometimes you put them in a team and it's quick. And then sometimes, you know, it, it, it takes a while. But this was a really special group, you know, because you weren't supposed to do this. You know, the the, the script was set for London spending the big bucks. You know, Plymouth was spending some, <clears throat> some, some big money right there. You know, lots of people forgot about the culture of the Eagles. Um, even the riders, to a certain degree, people were just, you know, not really... Paying attention to that at the start of the year, and then here you are, you guys, you know, holding two trophies. And and I think to end with, what we need to do is is make sure that the, the right people reach out to Darius, yeah, and make sure that uh, we, you know, maybe we right the wrongs. This is Mister Twenty Seven. And the the other thing I, I do want to understand is is you know where's Fletch T-shirt, guys? You know, Allison got a T-shirt. <laughs>
2: Sorry, Claire. Uh, I mean, she was uh, like,
4: she surpassed. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, we, still,
6: we, we still love you, bro. <laughs>
4: well, by, well, by the way, he does have his face on several billboards in Newcastle areas. The whole, the whole city, though.
3: You know what I mean? Was that like a team directed thing or was that, you know? I mean, I don't know. know.
4: I saw one as I was leaving. I saw one on the airplane on the J was covering up the easy jet (laughs) sign.
6: Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's a participation trophy
4: right there. But but before, but as we finish, I'm going to transition to you as you close us. Um, Because we've had this is 37 episodes and, um, you know, we've come far. and We've talked about a lot of different topics on here. And I want to finish with this because you're a neutral. Who is the best team of the 2020-21 season?
3: Well, we say all the time winning gets you into the front door. There's absolutely no doubts about that. And we've said we've said on the show right here, whoever won that final was going to get themselves two. Right. 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 So who's holding two? Newcastle Eagles. Yay! Hey. Oh, okay then. So I, I don't, I can't speak for the league, Darius, but hopefully that goes a long way for for for, for us uh, <laughs> rectifying some mistakes here on the show. But guys, listen. Thanks so much. Like uh, for people listening, uh, Cortez's phone died, so he. Can <laughs> on the court, but he's absolutely useless off the court. You know, <laughs> <about> <laughs> what he's doing there. Um, That's a wrap for the 2020-21 BBL season. We finish with mm. a segment with the champs, the champ, champ. I'm a mother. <laughs> champion. Mm. You have to say it twice. It's not the end for us. We are hitting the road. For some summertime fun where we are so wherever you are wherever i am you will be drew lead us out could we all just join in to finish this has been fun man this has been a fun ride it's been a
4: lot of work a lot of stuff we do behind the scenes that people don't see but uh it's easy because when you enjoy it it's easy and also quick mention uh, uh Ray. i don't know he would have loved this by the way this is the <laughs> type of stuff but he in the for two minutes. He I don't j- know what jumped happened. In, yeah, he was with
6: just- a tank top on. <laughs>
4: maybe it was, maybe it was a little bit too hot
7: for him. He got. A song he, was swing. Just, was a little- he was just in here. Oh, well- <laughs> he, said he, he said he was going to charge his phone.
4: Oh, okay. Well, tell him it's too late anyway. But <laughs> yeah, <so well>. <laughs> <laughs> but we close uh, episode thirty seven of BBO show. We move forward to the summer where. We'll be following you throughout the summer. You'll be going to different events, and obviously, I'll be going to Texas and going to America, and uh, they'll be following me. So we'll mm-hmm. be on the road. We'll be following players. Barbecue. Barbecue?
3: Uh, you, hey, yeah. I know Defoe yeah, 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 will yeah. be
4: hey. will be looking Don't out for the, out. the
3: in Houston. Barbecue. Oh yeah, for Sorry. sure,
4: for sure, he'd be looking at the ribs. But um, taking you know, best barbecue in America. Him? We'll be catching up with players as well because one thing is that usually when the season ends, the BBL dies and everyone kind of gets ghosts. But we're going to keep this thing going. We're going to come to your hometown, see what you get up to when you go back home. So look out for that, guys. Those off-season workouts, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He showed me a picture of what he's going to look like next year. and um, (laughs) You know, so I'm looking forward to (laughs) it. Oh, 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 yeah? Oh, Yeah. That's how flip shaking. <laughs> but, anyways, guys, listeners, we appreciate all you guys' support this year. And we'll be back here next week, same time, on The Show. The Show.
0: The show.
4: With the Champs.
3: Thanks for listening to The BBO Show. The BBO Show is a 21 media original podcast produced by Corey Mallory with your hosts, Jay Marriott and Drew Lasker. Keep up to date with the show by following the BBO on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where you can find details on future episodes, events, and fan interaction. Until next time.